Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. We have a treat for you this week. Joining me in the studio is collegiate runner, Riley Ford. Hey, Riley. Hey. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. All right. All right. So you've gotten one run in today and you got one more to go, right? Yep. yep. I do. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Riley is a cross country and track athlete at Dalton State College. You may have heard about that because I may have talked about that once or twice before, um, where there's a, some some old guy there as the coach. Um, she's a freshman and she's from Cairo, Michigan. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> she went to school at Marlette High School and she is the best runner to ever run at Marlette High School, right? Yep. <laughs> and why are you the best runner? Because you broke your mother's school records, right? Yep. Isn't that yeah. cool? So you and your mother are the number one and number two runners at Marlette High School. Yeah, there's some there's some others up there too. I actually beat the girl who broke my mom's records. Oh, okay. so there's like one, two, three action oh, happening. Okay. All right, we put, we got it back in the family. That's, that's good <laughs> stuff. So Riley is majoring in social work, right? Yep. Partially because you love old people. Yes, I. They're my favorite. I love them so much. They're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's. Uh, and you're going to finish college in three years. Yes, uh, I took a bunch you, in high school of classes in high school. So as you can tell, Riley is a great student. She's a smart girl. Um, she's a great runner. Um, most importantly, she knows that she's a child of God. Had you ever wonder why God takes his time sometimes? I know I do, um, but Riley is going to share her own story today, and we're going to talk about that subject. And then, in Dean's thoughts, we're going to talk about fear and how fear will motivate us differently depending on how we look at it. Today's episode is brought to you by Run For God supporter Hank's Carpet and Flooring. Hank's Carpet and Flooring is your one stop for all your flooring needs. Hank's stocks a huge selection of name brand flooring, carpet, luxury vinyl plank, waterproof flooring, and the exclusive Lola Pate Area Rug Collection. Voted North Georgia's best of the best eight years in a row and People's Choice winner for the past two years. Great flooring, great prices. Why shop anywhere else? Visit Hank's Carpet and Flooring's giant showroom or hankscarpet.com for red hot deals. If you're in Dalton, check them out. All right, so let's see. You have you have a mother and a, and a father and a brother, and your brother's name is Clint. Yes, right? Clint, like the actor. Named He's, after Clint Eastwood. Yes, he is. See, that's so awesome. <laughs> are, you, are you a Clint Eastwood fan? I mean, I've only watched a few movies, but my parents are like, they love him. They well, love him a lot. Uh, well, I'm, I'm right there with them because when I hear the name Clint, that's what I think about Clint Eastwood. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is one of my favorites. Yes, yes, I've heard about that movie many times. <laughs> that's good. That's good. They're bringing you up right. Um, 
And then your mom, she recently completed her first marathon, correct? Yeah, she did. It was virtual because the Detroit Marathon was virtual, but her and some of her co-workers did it, and um, they finished, and I wish I could have been there, but I couldn't. We had a race the day before, but Clint actually ran the last few miles with her because she was riding the struggle bus, but yeah. you know how marathons go sometimes. I do. <laughs> Unfortunately, I understand the struggle bus really well as it relates to marathons. Uh, let me share a Facebook post from this past week. Um, it's from Melissa Lagana. I hope I said that right. I joined my first Run for God class three years ago, and I really enjoyed it. Sue Evans is an awesome coach. I kept running after that first 5K, and I met some amazing people. If I'm being honest, I probably kept running for the people, my tribe. My fire for running had dimmed. I almost quit this summer. In the fall, I joined Sue's class because we needed a room and I had to be there to open the room. I would not have shown up if the class didn't require that I be there to unlock. The Bible study, I needed for sure, but the writing, I was just going through the motions. I'd run with the group and many weeks that would be my only run. Halfway through class, I heard about the Couch to Marathon program and I decided to sign up. Why, you ask? Because God made me do it is my only answer because I can tell you that I still wasn't excited about running. That fall class was coming to an end and Sue would normally start the class in the spring. But uh, we started we started wondering if we should start a new class on the same schedule as the Couch to Marathon program. So we did. Wait, what did I say? Did I say we? Yep, I volunteered to help her when I'm not even really into running at this point. <laughs> Why? God made me do it. People started asking me about the next class, so I invited them. Still didn't really care about running. We have a big class, and it's filled with my friends who had never run before. Class starts, and as I watch my friends become runners, I start feeling the excitement build in me. We are headed into week eight, the hard week, and I'm more passionate about running than ever. But it's different this time. It's not about me. It's about helping people reach their goals. I feel like God is working through me to bring people to run and to bring them closer to Him, to bring us all together to lift each other up. An eight-year-old girl I know just got selected to participate in the Girls on the Run class, and she asked me to be her run buddy. I can't tell you how excited I am to do it with her. I get excited to see kids run and to establish healthy habits when they're young. My eight-year-old son told me last night that he'd do the Run for God program if we did it as a family. So here I am this morning, listening to God. Is he calling me to start a family class? <laughs> no clue if that's a thing or what it would even look like. Please pray for me to see what God's leading me to do. I'm excited, but scared. A lot of stories like that out there. There are a ton of folks who... Um, are not sure they get burned out you've you've been burned out before correct yes i have i've taken some time off because of it and you come back better yeah yeah you get a little more passionate because you realize what you missed and you realize why you loved it to start yeah, with Yeah, for sure yeah that happens to a lot of people sometimes it's just it's hard to run yeah right it's yeah just hard. It's, it's hard to love being in pain sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and so when it when it takes so much effort, like running takes a lot of effort, when anything takes a lot of effort, it makes it difficult 
to uh, to continue doing that thing that you keep putting your body through. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So we had a trivia question last week, and this was it. There was a guy from Canada who attempted to run across Canada in 1980 to raise money for cancer research. Tell me his name, what was unique about the attempt, and why why he had to abandon the run after over 3,000 miles. Had you ever heard of Terry Fox before? No, I'm too young. Too young to know about <laughs> Terry Fox. Oh, that hurts. Um, I was around for this one, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately or fortunately, it was a very inspirational thing. Terry Fox, the reason why this is so notable is that Terry Fox was one of the first amputees to attempt to do something as crazy as run across Canada. Um, he lost his leg. He was a runner and a basketball player in high school and college. Um, and then, I mean, this was very young. I, I, I would assume he was, because he, he was very young. Um, in 1977, he was diagnosed with cancer, and they wound up having to amputate his leg. And so I think it was his right leg. And so um, the day before his surgery, he just happens to see this video about Dick Trom, who was the first guy to finish the New York City Marathon as an amputee. Um, that was not something that people did. Today we look at that and we think, well, people do that all the time, right? I mm-hmm. remember uh, I remember an amputee at the Boston Marathon one time. I ran by him, and there were these big, thick crowds because it was the year after the Boston Marathon bombing. And he is just playing to the crowd. He's running through, and he's waving his hand, and he's turning <laughs> around and taking selfies with people in the crowd. And it was fun. Um, so there's a lot more of that now. But back then, there weren't many people who did that. And so he was inspired. So when he got out of surgery, that was what he wanted to do, was to do something pretty big. And so he created this thing called the Marathon of Hope. The Marathon of Hope was where he was going to run across Canada and he was going to raise money for cancer research because he thought, well, if there's any way that I can prevent somebody else from going through what I've had to go through, then I want to be a part of that. And so he started to raise money. Um, by running across Canada. Now, Canada, it's not like the United States. You live closer to Canada. Yeah. You understand how big Canada yes, is. Yes, it's huge. <laughs> it's so wide. It Just is. big. It's gigantic. And so he decided he was going to run, and he was going to do this from east to west. Now, my logical brain would say run from west to east simply because you have the wind at your back more often. But he wasn't an ordinary guy and did, did crazy things. And so um, he decided that he was going to run from east to west. And he started out that journey, and he ran for 143 days consecutively. He ran over 3,300 miles, which would have been enough to completely go across the United States. I think it's 3,100 miles to go from, like, San Francisco to New York um, in the United States. And, uh, and so he went further than across the United States. But then he had to stop. And the question is, well, why did he have to stop? That was part of our question, right? Well, it's because his cancer came back. And so in the middle of this run, um, this guy's doing this inspirational thing that really started off pretty quiet and then built while he was doing it. And he people started picking him up on radio stations and TV stations and people. And then the fundraising just swelled and got to be huge. Um, but he had to stop because his cancer came back and he actually died just a few months after that. And so um, he leaves one heck of a legacy. This, he's got this thing that there's this a thing out there now called the Terry Fox Run, which is done in over 60 countries across the world. 
and it's the largest one-day fundraiser for cancer research. When we think about cancer research. Cancer is a well a well-funded thing. I, I say that when I, I when I when we look at cancer versus other diseases, there's a lot more research money going into cancer than almost probably any other disease, right? For good reason. Um, but for this to be the largest one-day fundraiser, that's huge, right? So Terry Fox is a big, you wanna know how big a deal Terry Fox is in Canada? It doesn't get much bigger than this, okay? <laughs> so who's printed on our money, right? Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, I mean, yeah. big names, right? Right. Well, in Canada, they decided they were going to print this new money that had somebody else's picture on it, and they they took five or six people, and they were trying to decide between those five or six people. Terry Fox was one of those people. Terry Fox almost had his mug on currency, on money. Can you imagine? That's crazy. <laughs> That's a big deal, right? Yeah. That's a big deal. So uh, it's pretty neat to see... Uh, Athletes who are out there who have gone through something like that and are disabled in some way, and they get out there and they do something fantastic like this. We know one, don't we? Yeah, Harmony from the local high school team and Kahala's team. She is uh, an inspiration, isn't she? She is, yes. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been at one of those races where at the end of the race her entire team goes and runs, runs her in? Yes, I've been at those kind of, when that those kinds of things happen when they're finishing like close to last and that kind of stuff happens. It's really sweet. Yeah, it's really really cool to see how her her teammates supported mm-hmm. her so heavily. But but what was really interesting about Harmony this year is that Harmony didn't finish last. I don't know if she finished last in any races. This I don't think year. she did. No. Um, so she yeah she uh, she had a she had a really good year. It was her senior year. She ran four years. Um, and was uh, a very inspirational figure to many. All right, so we are on this Couch to Marathon journey. So many of you out there listening to this are on that journey with us. And I know it's going well because I'm paying attention to the Facebook page and I see all the posts and I see so many people getting through that week eight where it's really hard, where you go from running two eight-minute runs to a 20-minute run. Now, for you, a 20-minute run is not a big deal. No, but I remember when it was a big deal. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah you, can cr- you can cover a 5K in under 20 minutes now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, we like folks who take 20 minutes to cover one mile, too, right? Yep. We like them all mm-hmm. uh, because it, the fact that you're out there means that you're lapping all of those people on the couch. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If your teen is into rock and metal music that makes your ears bleed and your grandmother clutch her pearls, we can help. If your spouse yearns for music from the old days and wants to relive the music of their glory years, we can handle that. If you need a break from the day to spend time with God and recognize His goodness, we'd love to be a part of that. Whether it's rock and metal, classic songs from decades past, or heartfelt worship music, J-Radio has you covered. Sign up for an account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store to start listening for free today. All right, we're back. And you know that you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com. You got questions? Ask them. You got you feedback you want to give us? You got some way that maybe you can we can make this podcast better. 
Let us know what that is, because we are not too proud to take advice from people outside of our organization. Um, so so let, let me know about that. If you don't know about us, go to runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com to learn more about who we are and what Run For God is. You may have just happened up on this podcast because you, maybe you typed in the words running and God or something like that, and boom, here it comes, and you're listening to this, and you're wondering, what in the world is Run For God about? And you could go check us out there. And we want you to share your story. We share stories every week on this podcast, and we have shared stories in our devotions books in the past, and we want to hear your story. Now, I know what you're thinking. We've heard it over and over again. My story's not really impressive. My story doesn't really say much. Well, I can tell you that it does because everybody has a story and everybody's story impacts somebody else because there's somebody else out there that has the same story that you do. And if you've overcome, people want to hear how you overcame. And so share your story at runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com. And maybe you'd like to share your story live. You know, we've had a few of those lately, and the latest is right here with us. Riley's going to share her story live, right, Riley? Yep, I am. Yeah. Um, do you like to hear people's stories? Yeah, I do. I like to hear, like, inspirational stories of what people have gone through and overcome and different things like that. Yeah, yeah. Talk about an inspirational story. Your dad, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, has, a, he has somebody else's heart in his chest, yes, correct? Yes, he does. It's like a 28-year-old heart or something like that. Young him. <laughs> <laughs> Young him. <laughs> um, yeah, and now that's been how long now has he been? Um, I think he had it in 2018, so it's coming up on three years that he wow. had his heart transplant. Wow. So, yeah. Incredible. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and I've talked with him before. And he is a guy that seems really happy to be alive. It's amazing yeah. how something like that can probably change your whole perspective. Yeah, it's how. crazy because he didn't want it at first. He was like, no, I'm not doing that. And then he got it and got a new chance at life. So yeah. it's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And he's pretty active now, right? Yeah, he yeah. goes for walks with the dogs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome to see. All right, so uh, have you ever wondered why God seems so slow in answering prayer? <laughs> The truth is that uh, we all, Christians I mean, um, always have the knowledge that we win in the end, right? We know the end of the story, right? And so why do we, why do we worry so much about answered prayers and, and, and waiting on God? And Well, Riley's going to kind of pull some of that together here today. So she is going to read her story. Her story is titled, Late Victories. Yep. Okay, so this story kind of goes back um, to my junior year of high school. Um, I had a really good junior year, and then the end of my track season, um, I got an asthma diagnosis, um, which, and I was having trouble breathing and everything, and that really messed with me mentally. Um, but I still went into the summer training really hard. I was running over 50 miles a week, which I had done the uh, year before to run a really good season. But I did not think I could race well. My mind was telling me that. So I put in all the work, but my mind wasn't right. And so fast forward um, through the summer, my senior cross-country season came, and it started in August. And I remember the first race that year, my mom left the house to pick up one of my teammates um, and left me at home alone for a little bit, and she's going to come back and pick me up. And I let, while I was home alone, I let my mind get to me. I was like... 
breathing really hard and like having like a panic attack and my heart was racing and I was just like really nervous and I was freaking out about the race and this was like the first time I'd ever recalled having a panic attack and it was pretty bad. Um, it was definitely something that was not good for my mind going into a race. Um, so we got to the race and one of my best friends, Gabby, was there and she's a pretty speedy girl. Um, she runs under 19 minutes and she's actually going to the University of Michigan to run so she's pretty good and so we kind of go back and forth so I was nervous because I knew that she'd be tough um, and when I get really nervous like I feel like paralyzed almost like I can't move like my, my breath it's like hard to take a breath or like take a step like I just let it like fester and so that's the, that's the kind of day I had so um, the race started and I hung on with the pack for like half a mile and then my breathing was really hard so I took my inhaler and then like I let people pass me and I just wasn't having a good day and so I got just discouraged and I just wanted the race to be over and I just you know wanted, wanted it to be done and but the interesting part of that that day that I remember the most is I remember running by my mom and saying to her I suck during the race <laughs> um, yeah that's kinda what I thought about myself um, about like running person like that's just kind of what I felt about myself I felt like it was my first race and I like dropped back after half a mile when I was used to leading the race I was just like I suck to my mom and um and I really believed it and the race did not end well I think I ended up like in 10th place or something which doesn't sound bad but it was a small race so um and some people beat me who had never beaten me before so I felt really defeated um me and that girl Gabby we were walking after the race and I was kind of telling her everything and I remember her saying to me God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers and telling me that it would get better and that kind of stuck with me all season but um, at that point I just wanted God to win the battle so I could be done with it and <laughs> have it be better like with a snap of a finger but you know that's not how God works um, so that whole season kind of looked like that first race um, I had a couple good races where I, you know, came close to breaking 19 in the 5K again like I had the year before, but I wasn't really happy with myself because I felt like I was putting in so much more effort than I had the year before and like I was not getting the same results. I just felt like I wasn't fast anymore. And so at the state meet, you know, major nerves there. Um, I knew I couldn't get first because this girl named Abby Vanderkoy, you've heard of her. She's legit if you've heard of her. Um, she, As a freshman, she ran under 17 for a 5K, which if any of you know what what a 5K is, like that's fast for a girl, especially for a freshman. So I knew I couldn't get first, but I knew I had a shot at, shot at second. Second's pretty good, too. Um, so I had been informed by a friend that the girl who had gotten second the year before my junior year was out with an injury, so that gave me more of a chance and more confidence going into the race. My junior year, I my goal was to get second, too, and I held second the whole race, and then people passed three people passed me at the end, like the last three quarters of a mile. So this year I was like, that is not happening. I'm going to keep it the whole time. So um, 
I don't know if any of you are familiar with Michigan's cross-country state finals, but they're at the NASCAR track, the Michigan International Speedway, which you think that sounds cool until you're running on the inside of the track for three quarters of a mile at the end of the race. It's it's not fun. It's muddy, and it's, yeah, it's hard mentally. So that's kind of when I let those people pass me, and I was like, that's not going to that's not going to happen this this year. I said um, that is where the boys are separated from the men <laughs> because it's um, it's definitely hard mentally in that last three-quarters of a mile just going on the inside of the NASCAR track. So, um, but I knew what I had to do. Um, I So the I was really nervous, um, but the race started, and by half a mile, I could hardly see Abby Vanderkoy. But, you know, that was expected. That girl has such defined leg muscles. Um, I Like, I only saw her for a few seconds, and then she's gone. But um, so I was um, – so then we got to the mile, and there was a pack probably five to ten seconds behind me. Um, and I had my f- friends yelling out times for me every kilometer. And I remember at the 2K, which is 1.2 miles, my brother was there. It was kind of out in the middle of the no- of nowhere, and he was, like, encouraging me. And I was like, yeah, I know what I need to do. I need to keep going. And then um, I, I knew I needed to hold my pace. So then we kept going, um, and we hit the 3K. And the 3K at um at that michigan international speedway it's crazy that's where all the parents are so there's like hundreds of people yelling and it's just crazy at that point and that's right before the two mile which is where i kind of lost it the year before so um i could hear i could hear my mom though i could hear her voice even though there was all those people and she told me that they were closing so I kind of kept my pace up the hill. It's not really a hill if you compared to here, but to Michigan, it's a hill. Um, so I kept my pace up the hill. We went back down the hill, and I surged, took a few quick steps, and um, and the gap opened a little bit. And in that three quarters of a mile, I knew it was muddy. I knew it was going to be tough mentally, but I was like, I need to like speed up and keep my pace and like get get them behind more, even more behind me. So I, because um, I didn't want to get fifth again. Fifth wasn't good enough. <laughs> I wanted to get second because I knew I could and I wanted to do my best. Um, so I ran closer to the track, which is a little bit more of a distance, but there's less mud close to the track. So um, I kept, I ran on the outside a little bit and um, kept kind of pushing myself and not, didn't want to coast in because. I knew I didn't want anybody to catch me on a kick or something. That would be very devastating. So um, I um, kicked it in at the end, and I ended up in second place. And I beat third by eight seconds, which is a pretty good margin. And I, like, I remember I finished the race, and like tears just started coming down my face. Like I was just crying. And there's these pictures my mom took of like me crying and hugging my friends that were there with me, and me crying, hugging my brother, and me crying, hugging everyone. And yeah, like I remember I, seeing those. Yes, yeah, I love those pictures, but also I do not look good in them. <laughs> so yeah, so it was a really emotional moment for us all. Um, I feel like some people probably were like, "Why is this girl crying?" Like this like what is she doing but like to me it was just the final like outpour of everything that had happened that whole season and really the past six months of me being diagnosed with asthma um so my mom my dad my brother clint and my friends emma and parker were there and they were with me all season and knew how hard it was for me all season and they were there to help me that day um 
So for once, I was like actually proud of myself and happy like with my race, and that was just like really emotional for me. So when Dean asked me to tell a story, I was like, oh my gosh, I have a million stories. There's so many stories I could tell, but I tell this one in particular because it points me back to how God has different timing and planning than we do. I would have loved to have had a great season every single race all year, but also I learned how to persevere and um, the victory is much sweeter at the end than it would have been if I just ran well all season. So um, God is working out. My encouragement to everybody through the story is that if you're struggling through something, it could be life, running, whatever, God is working out a plan in the midst of your struggles, and you might not understand it until the end, until the end result. Um, I finally understood at the end, like, why I went through all that, and um, I just want you guys to know that God is working out a plan for your good. Yeah, absolutely. What a great story. Um, it's, it's funny. You talk about hearing your mom mm -hmm. um, in that big crowd. Isn't it amazing how we can pick out mom's voice? Yeah. Yeah, you uh, tell me. You can. You could always hear your mom, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a quick story from for anybody listening. I, I remember being at the state meet on a track, right? Mm -hmm. So we're on a track, and... The, the way that this track was designed, there was one side was kind of the grandstand area, it was a huge area where there were you know parents just packed in. I mean, like wall to wall, wall to wall parents. The other side, there really weren't many people over there, so it was kind of quiet on one side and really loud on that mm -hmm. side. I can remember being on the other side of the track mm -hmm. and being able to pick my mother's voice out among. There had to be a thousand people there at least. Wow. And I could pick my mother's voice out because she was that loud. I don't know if my mom's that loud, but wow. Man, oh man. man, oh man she was loud. Yeah. So, uh, but that's cool. And so, <clears throat> you, you, you've got some scripture here. Yeah. I picked out a few. Yeah. And so, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Um. All things, right? Even the bad things. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we wonder sometimes what's going on. We don't know where God is. And we feel like he's just kind of a, we wonder if he's abandoned us. We know he hasn't. Yes. Yeah. But, but we have this feeling that, oh, God, why am I all alone? Why have you left me alone? And the truth is, is he doesn't leave any of us alone, right? Mm -hmm. But it just feels that way sometimes. Um, and he, I think he wants us that way. In your case, he he wanted you to feel that that victory be bigger in mm -hmm. the end, um, and to for it to be more impactful. But there's a qualifier in that too. It says those who love him. Um, and so here's the question: How do we know who loves him? Right? Mm -hmm. how, how how do we know that? And it's we're we're known by our fruit. That's what the Bible tells us, right? We're known by our fruit. If we love him, we produce fruit. We, we edify other people. We, we, um, you know, we're, we're a bright, shining light out, of, out among people um, if, we're, if we're his. Uh, and then, then he will work things for our good. Um, and it says that we've been called according to his purpose. It doesn't just say that, that we're, we're just part of his purpose. We're called. We're there specifically. Riley has a story. She has something that she is supposed to participate in God's plan, right? Um, 
and it gets better when we read a little bit further in there and I, I always like to look at the verses before and after scripture yeah. mm-hmm. um, just to kind of put it in context and to think about it and it says um, after that verse it says uh, well and we know that all things uh, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified so we're justified what does justified mean what does that mean to you to be justified um, he makes you right like we do wrong things and he you know standing in front of a judge he makes us not guilty because yeah. of what he did what a great that's a great way to and then eventually we're not just justified but ultimately glorified and the thought of that is just astounding um, and it goes back to our heart and how we do things to please God if we're pleasing God and that's what God does for us, and that's where we go eventually based on, on his plan for our life. Another scripture reference. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. And that's Psalm 94. Psalm 90, verse 4. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, is, this, is, this prayer was a prayer from Moses, right? And he's talking about how insignificant we are. And so you read that verse and you realize that that lonely feeling that you feel when things aren't going well kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard to fathom how God can look at 2,000 years as if it's a blink of an eye. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, there's a lot of things in the Bible we just, we just can't, we can't understand. One of the things that I remember is this, and, and we use this, illustration once in in one of our meet just before one of our meets Mm -hmm. and it's this rope right and you take this rope and you look at the events that happen on a rope on a timeline we we say the rope is a timeline and you look at a hundred foot rope right and we take the tip of that rope that's you know that's this wide is your life Mm -hmm. and the rest of that rope is eternity and we forget sometimes how long eternity is yeah, you know, for we sure. Don't, we don't really think about eternity because it's we can't understand it. God can. We can't. Uh, but time is so insignificant in God's eyes and his plan. But then um, after, in, in the same psalm, in uh, Psalm 90, in verse 12, he says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. As much as time doesn't matter to God, using our time wisely is really important to God and to us, right? And that's kind of where um, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. Is how are we using our time? The time that we have that God gave us is short. We know that in the context of the way He thinks of things. How are we using that time? Um, Obviously, you're pretty efficient with your time because you're going to graduate from college in three years. Yeah, I try to be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I know how you are, too. You're so so completely opposite of what I was when I was in college because you're like, you get an assignment and it's like done the next day, even though it doesn't have to be done for two weeks. Yeah, I got a paper done yesterday that isn't due until March 23rd. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, <laughs> and today is March 10th. Yeah. 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 So I would have been the guy that was doing it on March 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. So. I cannot stand to be that person. <laughs> yeah. Like, I will be like in tears, be like, I have to get this done. <laughs> um, but eventually, as far as I can tell, um, we're going to be able to view time as God views time when we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. What a, what a thought. James 1, 2, and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. <laughs> we've talked about this one on this podcast several times, maybe as much as any scripture that we've, that we've talked about. The words joy and trials don't go together well, do they? No. It doesn't uh, feel like joy. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but this is definitely clear. Um, when we do face those tough times, when we face those trials, as James calls them, we're supposed to embrace those as a positive thing. And so how hard is that to do? Very. Yeah. It's. I think that's definitely a process and like something you have to continually remind yourself of. Do you ever stop yourself in the middle of a bad thing and think, okay, God, what's going on here? Yeah, sometimes I'm like, you need to think about this in a better way instead of just wallowing in your sorrow. That's what I think to myself sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I can give myself too much self-pity yeah. and just be like, God is putting you through this for a reason. Like, be happier about it. Yeah. I've told the story on this podcast before about how I had this running streak going. I'd run every day for five and a half years. And one day I just forgot to run. <laughs> yeah. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but I did. And then... In the middle of the night, I wake up realizing that the day is gone and I can't get it back and talk about a time issue, right? And that I woke up in the middle of the night and the first thing I did was beat myself up right. and think how bad that was. How, how, how stupid are you? You know, mm-hmm. you had you had time. It wasn't that you didn't have time during the day. You had, I had plenty of time. It wasn't that I was so busy I couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. I just didn't get it done. And then I remember I finally relaxed and thought, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me here? And what God told me was that I, I often thought that maybe running is too important to me, that maybe it's it is taking the place of God. And I felt like God told me in that moment, he said, obviously, if you can forget to run, running is not the first thing on your mind every day and the most important thing to you. And that was so satisfying. Mm-hmm. And so to this day, as of August the 16th of this year, I will have run every day except one for 10 consecutive years. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so it's crazy. Um, <laughs> and you, we have, to, we have to embrace those tough moments in a positive way. Have you ever heard a coach tell you that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, embrace the pain uh, and the race is going to turn out better. I like that saying better than the yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> embrace the pain um, and things go better. We have some questions here. First question, how do you wait on God when things are either going bad or not getting any better? It's tough. I feel like um, it's not the same for anyone, and progress isn't always linear. It doesn't always grow. But um, I think just staying in the Word is so important. That's how God speaks to me most. And when I'm in the Word every day or, like, right now I'm, like, in, like, twice a day, morning and night, like, it just makes things so much better even if, you know, prayers aren't being answered that when I like them to or whatever, that that makes it easier. I know that, like, what He says about me and what His promises are. 
Yeah. So do you find it hard sometimes to pick up the Bible and read it? Maybe if you're busy or something like that? Do you, do you I, have to force yourself to do it occasionally? I mean, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, I'm like, I did not get anything out of that. Like, you know, where I'm just like not as focused. But um, I've kind of made it part of my routine. I get up like a half an hour earlier than I normally would to do that time. And then I know I have to do it before bed because, you know, once you stop, it's hard to start back up. So, um, but yeah, sometimes I'm like kind of unmotivated. It's a lot like running. (laughs) Yeah. Because you have those days where you know you got to get the run in. Yeah. And you slog through it. Yeah. uh, But you also know that in the end, that run that you did mm-hmm. will make you better. Yeah. That reading that you did, even though you felt like you got nothing out of it, you got something yeah. out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll ne- I know I'll never regret like opening up my Bible and taking time from something else to do that. I know I'll never regret that. That's right. That's right. So consider this. God works for everyone whether they wait on him or not, right? So this this talking about we we talk about how God waits or how how um God works to the good for those who love him, but he's he's actually working for everybody, right? Because the sun mm-hmm. came up today, for yeah. example. Well, everybody in the world got the benefit of that sun. We would all be gone and dead if there were no sun, <laughs> yes. right? So God does things. Um, he, he makes the sun rise on the just and the unjust is what the Bible tells us, right? But he's not talking about just meeting needs in this case. He's talking about special consideration. And who are those special considerations? Those who wait on him. That's what he tells us in that, that verse in Romans. So what does it mean to wait on God? What does that mean to you, to wait on God? I think just um, trusting and being faithful, like continually doing what he's called you to do while also trusting that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And he always does, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's and that's why it's important. Um, prayer and Bible study, you've already mentioned. Um, Exodus 14, 13 and 14 says this, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight for you, and you only you and you only have to be silent. Think about that. I love that verse. I've, That's I've never my favorite really... Bible story, actually. Is it the party in the Red Sea? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I have that um, verse fourteen written on my shoes. Son of a gun. Yeah, I well, do. Well, that's. I mean, that's this whole idea. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. But it's it's not just standing there still, is it? Mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit different. He wants to work for us, but he wants for us to be relying upon him too. So he wants us to do things that show that we're relying upon him, right? Yep. Proverbs twenty one thirty one says, The horse is made ready for the battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. He wants us to be ready, to do our part to be ready, the Bible study, the prayer, all of those things. But then he wants he wants us to kind of step back and watch him work. Yep. Right? Instead yeah. of trying to rule our own lives. Yep. What we tell, what we tend to do, we talk about this from time to time. We we tend to, we find something that's good, and we do that thing, and we expect God to bless it. Yeah. When that's not what He wants us to do. Yeah. He wants us to do what He wants us to do, mm-hmm. and then He'll bless it. Yeah. Second question: Why does God allow us to suffer? We don't like it, but it makes us stronger. It makes uh, it'll draw us closer to Him, and um, it produces perseverance. Yeah, you mentioned that word in your story, yeah. the word perseverance. Yeah, I like that word. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Uh, the Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness, 1 Timothy 3.16. What we talk about how we don't understand God and we don't know all the depths and things that, that God knows. And it says in the Bible, great is the mystery. Great mm-hmm. is the mystery. It is great. Um, God tells us there's going to be mysteries in our lives. And then when, when things happen that we don't like, we're surprised by it. Yeah. Right? It's a, <laughs> we think we should know everything, but yeah. that's not how it's meant to be. No, It'd be bad if we knew everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. Why did God create the earth? It's kind of a mystery, right? Yeah. Why did he put humans on the earth? It's a mystery. Uh, why, why did he make us like we're like we are? We don't know. We don't understand. Um, and, and there's only one place that we can go to find anything even close to an answer, right? That's the Bible. God wants us to question things, I think. Um, we talked about this recently about how um, I like to question God, and I think God expects us to question him. And so I think it's it's good. Um, sin is, is, when we think about this whole idea of suffering, um, there would be no suffering on the earth had it not been for Adam and Eve and the original sin. Right. Sin mm-hmm. produces suffering. We know that because of sin, we suffer. Now, we don't always suffer because of a particular sin, mm-hmm. but that's where sin came from. And, and it's actually our rebellion against God that, that did that. Um, but he also provided rescue, didn't Which he didn't have to do. Which he didn't have to do, mm-hmm. but he chose to do. Um, and that's why Christ died on the cross. That's why he rose from the dead. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort uh, that with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I think it's oftentimes the case where we go through these things, these tough patches in our lives, these tribulations, trials, whatever you want to call them, because God intends for us to tell that story later. We talk about stories on this podcast all the time for that very reason. It's part of the reason why you went through what you went through with that tough season was so that God knew you were going to share that story here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah. it's amazing just how much he knows. Um it gives us a greater sense of, of, of oneness when, when somebody's gone through the same thing you've gone through. I know that there's a, there's a young lady here locally as a high school runner who struggles with anxiety before she runs. And I know you've had discussions with her about that because yeah. you've been through it. Right. God gave you that gift of, and we call it, it's a gift, right? The right. idea that you went through all this anxiety was, is a gift. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, you didn't think it at the time, did you? No. <laughs> but now you look back at it and you go, wow, I can help people with that. Yeah. I just think that's so awesome. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably the number one reason why God allows suffering. That's, that's, that's the Dean version. So <laughs> uh, ver- uh, thir- third question, how do we find more victories in our lives? Keep keep close to God, I think, yeah. for sure. And I think um, if you're closer to God, you'll see thing, different things as victories when you wouldn't normally see them. Like if you weren't of God, you'll see something as like, oh, this is good. This can help me help somebody else or whatever, when you wouldn't see that if you weren't, if you weren't with God. That's a, that's a good point. 
the idea is we've we've got to we've got to find his guidance for our lives. And when we do, we see a lot more of those victories, yeah. right? And we see the little things that he does in our lives as as victories that we wouldn't normally see. Yep, yep. Um, I don't I don't know if I ever told you this story about my my connection with Run for God. I had run with I had worked with Run for God for a little over a year. Well, when I when I was working when I started working with Run for God, I was making a lot less money than I made in my previous job less than half that's mm-hmm. a substantial pay cut right i don't know if um you know the idea of having a 60 percent pay cut is uh for most people would be like there's no way right right there's no way i could do that yeah. well i was with run for god for a, a little over a year and i had thought i'm gonna look back at my bank account i'm gonna see how much more money did i spend the year before you know than i took in so I looked at my bank account, and I remember it was July 17th or 27th, July 17th, I think. Not July. January. I'm thinking one thing and saying another. <laughs> but I remember looking at that at my bank account on the same day, one year apart, and I remember looking at it, and it was $500 was the difference. Mm-hmm. I had I had taken in $500 less than I had spent. So I thought that was God's way of saying, I've got you right where I want you. Right. Right? And so I thought, well, that's that's awesome to see. And an hour later, I went over to Mitchell's house, and I walked in his office, and he went, oh, I wish I'd have known you were coming. I just put a check in the mail to you for $500. Wow. I mean, that was just God's exclamation point on, I've got you where I want you. I knew at that point, God will give us those things. He'll give us those stories and those indications to let us know that we're doing what he wants us to do when he shows us through those kinds of acts. Now, had I had I not been so focused on this from a God perspective, I might not even notice that. Right. right? Maybe I probably would have never, maybe not even looked. I don't know. I wouldn't have noticed it, but mm-hmm. I did because of that. It's clear that God wants me connected with running. And it's really clear because he dropped all of that stuff in my lap. You know, the idea that I'm, I'm coaching. I, I know a lot of folks who have wanted to be a college coach for a long time, and they've never been able to get a job as a college coach. It just happened yeah. to me, you know? Yeah. And you can't tell me that that's not God, right. that he didn't orchestrate all of that. And I, I still think, I, I have folks call me occasionally, girls that are interested in maybe coming to run at Dalton State will tell me the thing that drew them was um, a biographical thing or something that showed that I was a, a Christian. And that's so I, I just feel like when I choose to believe that God is working his will in my life that and that I will try to glorify him in all the things that I do, even at this public institution, um, that he's going to use that. And, uh, you know, being in a public institution, I don't break any rules. You know me. Yeah. I, I, I like to follow rules. And um, <laughs> but being a good witness for him and just sharing what he's done in my life doesn't doesn't hurt anything, but it also shows people. And so I think if we can be what God wants us to be, then we can shine his light and He can people can see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the answer for everyone. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Do you feel like you're where God wants you to be? Definitely. Um, I, last semester I wasn't so sure, but I've had so many like little things that like all line up and then I've made a bunch of new friends and I'm like, yeah, I know this is where he wants me to be. Yeah, yeah. 
And eventually, he wants you to be with old people. Yes. Yes, <laughs> me and the old people. I'm excited. I'm going to see my grandma this weekend. I'm excited to see her. Oh, I, like, I FaceTime with her a lot, but it'll be nice to see her in person and help take care of her. So It's a big difference getting to see folks in person, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. So we are back, and we're here with Riley Ford, a collegiate runner at Dalton State College um, here in Dalton, Georgia. She is the number one runner on the cross-country team as a freshman. Um, She won the conference championship this past fall, um, which was pretty cool because she said she wanted to be able to win that before she graduated. And here she comes (laughs) in, first first year. Boom, she did. Um, So how long have you been running? Um, my mom, well, I started seventh grade track. My mom told my coach to make me run the mile. And so I so I started running distance there, but I didn't start training until eighth grade cross country. My mom also made me run cross country. I was like, what is cross country? Like, I'd hardly even heard of it. And it was kind of fun run through the grass and whatnot. It was, it was fun. So, yeah. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yep. <laughs> so what brought you to Georgia? The weather. The weather. I, I knew I wanted to be down south. I visited um, other schools in Tennessee, so I knew I kind of want to be in this area. And I, lo- I love the weather. Like, this winter, like, has been amazing. It's only snowed, like, one time. <laughs> like, yeah. it's been awesome. It has <laughs> been a pretty good winter here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and so, for those of you out there that are listening to Riley, um, that are from the north, we're so glad that we could provide you with a non-Southern accent person. Yes. To, uh, to be on this podcast because most of everybody else who's been on here has been a Southern person speaking Southernese. Yep. So, uh, so what other goals do you have maybe for this spring, for the fall? What, what are um, your goals? I want to break 19 minutes in the 5K again. Um, and then obviously that marathon. I want to finish it, that marathon I have in May. Yeah, yeah. So um, – You've spilled the beans. I was going to talk about that later, yeah. but that's okay. We, <laughs> you qualified for the national championships for the NAIA for the marathon, right? Yep, I did. <laughs> and you did that through a half marathon. Yep. And so for those of you who have run a half marathon, um, Riley qualified for that marathon championship by running what time? Do you remember? One twenty six fifty two. Yes. Um, very fast. Um, if you're wondering what that pace is, it's six, 6.38, I think is what it said. 6.38 pace. Um, and she did that in a very efficient fashion. She didn't have a single mile over 6.45. Yeah, 6.45 was my slowest mile. It was the slowest mile. So uh, an average 6.38. So that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty consistent right Yeah, there. especially for that long of a race. Yeah. The first time I did a half marathon, it was not that consistent. <laughs> I had like 7.15, 6.30. Like it was like all over the place. So you did that in spite of the coaching that you get. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It is time for Dean's thoughts. And that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. 
How does fear motivate you? It can be a good motivator or a bad one. So let's talk about that. This one is called the spirit of fear. Just before the end of the 20th century, there was a nationalistic uprising in China. The government was crushing any and all Western thought of freedom and Christianity. It was a horrific time for Christians as they were slaughtered through firing squads, beheading, or any other method that suited the enforcers, and bodies were stacked in huge piles. Missionaries and Christians would set up communes where they could work together for their own protection and safety. Eventually, though, many of these compounds were found and stormed by troops. One such complex contained 100 missionaries and Chinese Christians when it was discovered. The Chinese military descended on the complex and locked all the doors except one. The troops drew a cross in the dirt just outside the open door, and residents of the compound were commanded to walk out the door one by one and stomp on the cross, denouncing their faith, and they would be allowed to go free. If anyone refused, he or she would be killed at the point of a sword immediately. Fearing for their lives, the first seven out the door did as they were instructed, and they were allowed to walk away. The eighth person through the door was an eight-year-old Chinese Christian. As she came through the door, she knelt before the cross and prayed. And then she rose and carefully stepped over the cross. She was immediately put to death. The remaining 92 people all followed her lead and did the same thing with the same result. We all make choices. An old song lyric by the group Rush says, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. They're all choices. Every day we make hundreds of choices, and each of those choices is motivated by something. When we decide to go for a run, for example, we're motivated by something. It may be losing weight, meeting with a friend, pure enjoyment, to prepare for a race, or any number of other things. Sometimes we're motivated by fear. It could be the fear of what can happen, like being ridiculed for being different or the fear of what may not happen, like not finishing a marathon. Either way, fear is a very popular motivator. It can lead to positive results, like the fear of gaining weight if I don't run. But fear is never a good long-term motivator. And it's wrong. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Fear is not of God. It sounds harsh, but most fear is sin. Of course, we all experience fear because we're human, but it doesn't erase Paul's words. God doesn't give us fear. We will always find things we fear, but it's how we react to that fear that is the key. When Jesus came to the disciples walking on the water in a storm, Matthew 14, 26 says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. It was the unfamiliar scene, the impossible scene, playing out in front of them that caused them to have doubt and be fearful. Isn't that how we react to unfamiliar territory? But Peter chose a different path than the other 11 disciples. He said in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 
We often look at Peter's lack of faith that subsequently caused him to begin sinking when he took his eyes off Jesus. But what about the fact he had the gumption to leave the boat? His faith might have been too weak to continue walking on the water, but look at what his limited faith did. He set an example for 11 men and teaches us a lesson about faith 2,000 years later. We will all go through life either following the lead or being in the lead. God intends for us to follow good examples, but what about the times we follow less than godly examples? What happens when there are no godly examples present? He wants us to be leaders that have an impact on those around us. Jesus' last words were, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We call it the Great Commission. And Jesus didn't use weak language. He says, go. He doesn't say, go if you feel like it, or go when you get time, there are some tough questions. What kind of lasting impact are you making on the world? How many people will arrive in heaven and tell of the time you shared Christ with them? I tremble at the thought of facing an omnipotent God and thinking about the answer to that question. That's fear. But here's the toughest question of all. Am I going to use that fear to motivate me to share Christ Or am I going to give in to the more worldly fear of rejection or ridicule? According to Running USA, there were 7,643,605K finishers in 2015. The population of the United States is roughly 320 million. Only 2.4% of the population finished a 5K in 2015. If we assume that for every person who crossed a 5K finish line, there was another person who runs but did not complete a 5K, that's roughly 5% of the population who are runners. Out of a random group of 20 people, you are the only one who is a runner. You're pretty special. If you're a typical runner, many of the people around you know that you run, and chances are pretty good that many of them are inspired by what you do. If you have been a long-time runner, you probably know someone who began running because of that inspiration. It's amazing how impactful we can be to those around us by providing an example to follow. So here's the thing. You're a runner. You're already different, if not a little off your rocker for being a runner anyway. You already have it in you to stand out. Since we are a fraction of the population, we are a select group. Can we be the small percentage of the population who take the time to share Christ with others too? Even more special, if we're, we are all loved, runner and non-runner, by a holy God who wants to see us take up his plan for our lives. He's clear about what he wants us to do, but it's up to us to find the path to get there. Pray for God's guidance and live without fear that that path becomes clear. None of us would be so insensitive to, to denounce the worldly actions of the first seven people who came out the door of that Chinese commune. But an eight-year-old little girl kneeled at a cross, lost her life, and changed the lives of 92 people who came after her. But if those 93 people were asked at the gates of heaven what they did for Christ while on earth, they didn't have to cringe at the question. 
Woo, is there something that paralyzes you? Um, I mean, fear can, fear and like nervousness can be that for me sometimes, but I try to continually go to the word and um, try to, you know, know what God says about me and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember a time, and I, I shared this on this podcast recently, where we were as a group, the whole cross-country track team, we were walking into some place and nobody wanted to, there was somebody sitting at an information desk and nobody wanted to ask a question to the information person. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and I had to walk through them and, and be the person to ask because everybody was scared to ask. Yeah. Um, just a, a, And when you think about it, it's, it's a completely irrational fear, right? Yeah. Because that person is sitting there, there's a big sign, information. Yeah. They want you to ask questions. Yeah. And yet we're scared to do it. That's uh, funny. So uh, yeah, fear is real. Um, and, and of course, you, you, you talk about anxiety and that mm-hmm. that can be a problem. Yeah. You've had Fear of failure is like my biggest thing. Yeah. And kind of always has been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the Bible is clear that fear is not of God. Period. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there is no ambiguity about it. Um, if we're fearful, it doesn't come from God. Plain and simple. Um, that kind of makes you feel differently about fear, doesn't it? Yeah. When you think about it? Mm-hmm. I talk with people all the time who are afraid of uh, different running-related things. People are afraid of a race. They get race yeah. anxiety. Um, maybe they're afraid to try to run a little further than, than they've ever run before. Uh, maybe it's just worrying about what everybody around them thinks. Uh, I tell a story, it's called Hey Out of Shape Girl, and it's about a girl who's running around the, the, the perimeter of her track because she doesn't feel worthy to be on the track. And it's it's because we're worried about what everybody else thinks. Yep. And in this age of social media, right, yeah. we're so Magnifies worried. it for sure. It does, doesn't it? And the truth is, is that we look at social media, and when you look at social media and you look at other people, what do you see? It's always like the perfect, like all their happy moments mm-hmm. and everything. It's never bad stuff. Their highlight reel. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's, it's all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And we know that we struggle and we have problems. And although it's not on, we're not posting that on Instagram or Facebook, yeah. um, we know that we struggle through that stuff. And we just make this crazy assumption, which is crazy, really, when you think about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That. Well, I'm the only one struggling because look at everybody else. They yeah. look so happy. Yeah. But how do you look to everybody else? <laughs> happy. Happy. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, God does not want us to be fearful. And and I think that, that we feed into a lot of things socially that cause us to be more fearful than we should. And we should cut that out. Yep. I agree. <laughs> If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. 
so we are back. Um, so, Riley, what do you plan to do with your social work degree? What kind of job do you want to have? Um, I want to, I mean, I you already know that I love old people, so I want to be in, like, healthcare somewhere, so hospital, hospice, nursing home, something like that, and just help the old people. <laughs> Does that worry you at all to help old people that, that you know at some point in time may not be here for a long time? Um, it is kind of sad. Like, I've, um, I'm a certified nurse assistant. I, I'm a SENA. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes it is sad because they're just like, you know, they're going to die soon. And, yeah. you know, they're on their, you know, kind of last little bit. But also I feel like um, it's important to help them because a lot of people overlook them and, um, like, just don't see their worth just yeah. because they're old and they can't do as much. So I think it's important to, like, be that person to help them and, like, make them feel worthy. Yeah, the bright, shining light we were talking yep. about a few minutes mm-hmm. ago. Absolutely. So once you get to this point where this is you, you, you find a job, is that job going to be up north around Michigan or is it going to be somewhere south? Um, hoping to be down south. Yeah. I don't think I could do another Michigan winner. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I had enough in the 18 years of my life. I, I'm good. <laughs> um, all right. And so uh, I, I have a are, are you going to are you nervous about this marathon upcoming? Um, I haven't thought about it too much because it seems like a, a eon, an eon away because, like, we have, um, you know, like, cross-country nationals and the rest of the track season. But, yeah, I'll be nervous. Yeah. I'll be really nervous. But um, I know that, like, the pressure isn't on too much. It's my first year, and I'm just looking to, like, finish and do decent and not die and not be able to finish. So being smart being smart i can tell you your coach does not want you to die yeah i'm I'm certain of that um yeah it it should be exciting so you've got uh national championships for cross country before that april 9th are you excited about that i am excited about that i think it'll be really good um i've never run a race in iowa before that'll be kind of cool and you said it's fast so it's a fast course and um there will be plenty of competition yeah Yeah, it'll be kind of crazy, but I think it'll be cool. Yeah, because the winning time should be mid-16s, I'd say. Yeah. um, Yeah, there's a couple of really, really fast girls out there. Yeah. Um, And for your marathon, well, that'll be done down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which is basically the tropics. Yeah, and it's May, like, 28th or something, so it's, like, summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am nervous about that, but they start at 6 a.m., so it'll be a little bit cooler at 6 (laughs) a.m. Well, you know, you came down here to look for warmer weather. You're going to, by gosh, get it. Oh, I know I am. I already got some. (laughs) All right. So we have a trivia question for this week, and here is the trivia question. There is a group of people from the Copper Canyons of Mexico who are known for their running prowess. What is the name of the group, and what was the name of the book that made them exponentially more widely known? Don't don't say it, but do you know the answer to this question? I don't think so. You don't know the answer to this question. All right. Now, if you know the answer to that question, or if you've Googled it in the time that I've been talking since you heard that question (laughs) and you know, then you can send that to dean at runforgod.com. The first person to answer that question is going to get a Run For God Run Club uh, box 
with a, a devotions book and a mug and a t-shirt and you you're going to want that so let us know what your t-shirt size is too when you email me at dean at runforgod.com don't send that through messenger don't send it through uh, customer service at at uh, run for god send it through to dean at runforgod.com first person to answer gets a run club box so uh every week we share a reason of why running is so awesome and this is my reason for this week. Your dog can run with you. You ever run with a dog? No, I don't like dogs. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> they scare me. Uh, so in honor of Riley, we're going to talk about dogs. Um, and think about this. Is there any other exercise out there where you can bring your pet? Can you think of one? Not Off the top many. of my head, I can't think of Not it. many. Yeah. No. I mean, you can have your pet at a at an event or whatever, but yeah. you can't actually participate in it with them. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, running with your dog is not for everybody. Riley yeah. says she's not going to even try. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's not for every dog either. I've seen dogs who clearly don't need to run. Actually, my dog, uh, Flojo, is she's named Flojo for a reason. If you're into track and field, you know the name Flojo. She's she was a at one time world record holder in the hundred meters. She was a sprinter. My dog is a sprinter. Mm-hmm. She can run for about a half mile and then she is done. <laughs> she is done. She can't keep up any longer. So, um, so Flojo is a sprinter. We love. I love watching her run, um, but she she doesn't run with me. So somebody said, well, if you really worked with her, then she could probably get to that point where she could run with you. And I'm like. Yeah, I don't have that much patience. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know, uh, th- there's there's benefits to having your dog around and to, to participate with your dog. Um, one, it helps your mind. You know, being around your pets is usually a positive thing for most people. Um, it's it's built in protection. You know, I see a lot of women running with dogs, and it's we had a lady win the run at the mill half marathon one year running with her dog. Mm-hmm. Um, which was cool. But uh, when somebody sees somebody with a, a dog, especially if it's a sizable dog, they don't want to mess with them. Yeah. And so it's good protection. It also keeps your dog in shape. It's good for your dog. I mean, just like running is good for us, it's good for animals as well. And, of course, it's mentally good for your dog because you're doing something that your dog loves to do. So it's, it's awesome. Um, our motivational thought of the week. Now, this quote didn't come from Riley. The, I read it in a book. Yes. But this this is a quote that I know that you love and your favorite one. And it is, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. <laughs> goes back to what we talked about earlier, right? Yeah. Kind of how you look at it. Yeah. It's not suffering if you can find the joy in it. Yep. I tell myself, I said, like, if I'm hurting in a race, you're not suffering. Like, in that half marathon, that was the quote I was kind of, like, thinking about. And it was, like, there was, like, you know, a point where it's, like, something started hurting or whatever for a little bit. I'm, like, you're not suffering. You're not. So yeah. it's good to have that mindset. That's great. That's great. I see a lot of people who are limited by their lack of understanding of this quote. Yeah, you know, a for lot sure. Of, a lot of people who just don't see the – they don't understand that there's a difference between suffering and pain. Mm-hmm. But it's it once you get it, gosh, it makes such a big difference. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. All right, so uh, share Run Club with others. 
Uh, make sure that people know about us. If you're out there and you're part of Run Club, make sure that you're recruiting other people to become part of Run Club because the more people that we can reach, the more people understand about the saving grace of Christ. And that is the overall goal. Everybody, you're doing great. Keep up the great training. Keep up the support for one another. And um, keep glorifying God in your running and all that you do. Riley, did you enjoy, your, did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, I did. It was right. fun. Thank <laughs> you for joining us. Now, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.